Hello and welcome to Tormented Pleasures. We are back! Yay! The move has finally happened and we're all set up now. So we're going to get back into our weekly, bi-weekly. Bi-weekly. We're going to get back into our bi-weekly podcasts. And yeah. So, my name is Lucy and I'm joined today by my lovely co-host Emily. Hi. You want to start us off by telling us what we're drinking? Yes, so today we are, or this year I suppose, it's our first one this year. Yeah, it is our first one this year. Yeah, we're starting off with a skinny sweet rosé from Four Cousins. Okay, so me personally, big fan of Four Cousins. It's cheap, it's sweet, that's all I really need. It's a good time. It's a good time. And this kind of hits Four Cousins for me exactly the same. It's like a slightly less sweet rosé than the usual Four Cousins, but it's still really nice. It is really nice. Like, it kind of just, it's almost like juice. It just slips down your throat. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's dangerous wine. It's dangerous wine. It is dangerous wine. But it's a good one. It's good. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, so am I. Okay, are you ready for today? I'm very ready. I've been ready forever. Okay, so two things that I'm incredibly obsessed with Mm -hmm. is true crime and doctor shows. Yes. So today we kind of do a little bit of a mishmash and we've got a true crime doctor. Oh. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Let me tell you the story of Harold Frederick Shipman. I haven't actually heard of this, bro. You probably have, trust me. Maybe. He was better known as Fred. I don't know why we didn't call him Harold, but he chose second name to go by. Okay. Okay. So born on January 14th, 1946, to a truck driver, Frederick Shipman... See the name today? Uh-huh, yes. And Vera Britton. I love the name Vera. I also love the name Vera. It's very... It's a nice name. It's, it's like a, it's like a very like feminine, roly off the tongue kind of... Yes. Yeah. Now, Fred was born in Nottingham, England, and he eventually left to attend Leeds School of Medicine. There is a lot to be said about his mother, Vera, and him being the favourite child. Oh. Which is a little bit strange, because a lot of people find it a weird concept to grasp because he was one of four children but he was the second middle child of four children but he was the favorite usually the youngest that's the the first or the first depending on yeah so vera apparently instilled this weird sense of kind of superiority into him oh and it's said to have affected a lot of his relationships he kind of developed over the years I think, you know, when you you become the favorite child, you kind of always think that I can get away with anything and yeah. I'm the best and everyone else is just me. Yes. Now, sadly, his mother was diagnosed with terminal lung cancer and died later on oh. when Fred Shipman was just 17. So, so young. It's such a young age to lose a mom. Yeah. I mean, obviously at any age, it's a bit traumatic. It's quite traumatic. It's quite traumatic, yeah. But 17 is, you know, you're coming out of high school and it, you need your mom. Yeah, you're moving into the phase, like, of adulthood where you're literally like, what the hell am I doing? Yeah, I mean, I still, I'm 27 and I still call my mom because I don't know how to cook rice. Yeah, well, I'm 25 and I still call my mom because I'm crying about some nonsense. <laughs> so, it, it's a very crucial age and he unfortunately lost her when he was that age, when he was 17. They were said to be obviously incredibly close. And when she was diagnosed, he actually immediately jumped on the bandwagon of taking care of her. Oh. This sounds completely normal for a son to do, but it, it makes what happened later a little bit creepy and quite unsettling. I don't know. 
So Vera's decline was actually really harsh, and the only thing that seemed to ease her pain was really high doses of morphine. Ooh. So morphine is administered by a practitioner, they'll come to your yeah. home, you know, it, it's in your house, and you just get a shot, and it made her feel a lot better. It, was, it obviously nullified the intense amount of pain that she was feeling. Yeah. For some reason, though, this fact fascinated Fred. What, that she was on so much morphine? That morphine eased her pain. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, after his mother had passed, Fred Shipman was determined to go to medical school in hopes of helping others. Really wanted to help others. Just remember that. Wanted Shipman. to help them die, question mark? No, he just wanted to help them in general, apparently. Apparently, oh. like, he just really wanted to, you know, save people's lives and things. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now, Shipman met his wife, Primrose, which I also like the name Very of. Very good name. When he was at the age of 19, she was said to be a little bit younger. I think she was 16. Don't quote me on that. But she was quite a bit younger. Okay. And they married a year later. Hectic. It's yes. a young marriage. It is, but meh. Mm. The two went on to have four children. Okay. Okay. So that's that's a little bit of Frederick's backstory. Okay. Seems like a pretty... like a, Besides his mom dying so young, um, when he was so young, seems like a fairly normal childhood. Yeah, relatively. Yeah. I mean, he... Grew up, went to medical school, and got a medical license. Yeah, pretty impressive. It's not what we hear usually. So, how does someone in the medical field turn twisted and start working against their own promise to protect and save lives? That's such a good line. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, Shipman had begun working at a place called Donnybrook or Donnaybrook. I'm not entirely sure. Freight or. I'm not entirely sure of wording on that one, but I think it's Donnybrook. Yeah, we go with Donnybrook. Yeah. So, this was a medical center in Leed. Okay. Which is L-Y-D-E, I think. Okay. Okay. This happened in 1977. And Fred had actually somewhat gained a really good reputation for being hardworking and a very trustworthy doctor. Okay. People trusted him. Which you should, when it's your doctor. Yeah, you should be able to trust your doctor. That all came to a sudden halt in 1988, when a local undertaker realized that something was very wrong. Oh no. Shipman's pa- uh, Shipman's- Shipman? Shipman. Shipman's patients appeared to be dying at a really high rate. And yes, in the medical field there is always, unfortunately, going to be death. Yes. But the undertaker believed that something else was going on. Yeah. So, many of the patients actually showed similar poses in death. They were often kind of sitting up and fully clothed, which is a bit weird. That is a bit strange. Like, sitting up sitting up specifically is a bit of a weird yeah. coincidence, if you will. So this sent up a red flag for the Undertaker, and he actually approached Shipman with this information. Hectic. But naturally he was brushed off. Of course. Yeah. Of course no one's going to admit to anything at this no. point. But at a similar time that this was happening, another colleague of Shipman, a doctor, her name was Dr. Suzanne Booth, which I love Booth as a doctor thing because of bones. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, she also kind of made an eerie connection, and eventually the police were notified. Initially, Shipman was cleared. Everything seemed in order. They had gone through everything, and everything made sense. Yeah. Natural causes of death. There was nothing to raise a red flag. But further investigation led to some darker discoveries and everything fell apart. 
Shipman had been hiding behind his status as a caring family doctor, all while altering medical records to co uh, corroborate their causes of death. Yo. Mm -hmm. Oh my god. Mm -hmm. So what was his number? I feel like true crime, specifically with serial killers, people are obsessed with the number of people he murdered. Oh yeah. That makes the serial killer for a lot of people. Shipman is actually said to be one of the most prolific serial killers the world has ever known. Oh my god. According to a report, his spree had begun in 1975, and varying reports claim that Fred had murdered at least 215 victims. What? But due to the nature of everything, it's impossible to understand how many died by his hands. Because... Oh yeah, because you don't know which, one, which ones might have... Exactly. Oh my... Many of Fred Shipman's patients died, bunny ears, by natural causes, and he would encourage families to cremate their loved ones, urging that no further investigations happened. Which, in my mind, is a little sus, but the sad thing is that so many people believed him. That's the thing that is suspicious. Like, I don't know, if someone, uh, like, if one of my loved ones died, and the doctor randomly said to me, like, you don't need to investigate this, I'm investigate that yeah thing. i want to know why yeah like why are you saying that to me randomly yes hello but you see that type of person is exactly why he was brought in fair enough i find it sad that he was such a trusted doctor and many of his victims will actually never be known a lot of people won't ever get that understanding of well you know did he didn't he because families are always going to have to ask that question yeah you know you're always going to kind of wonder well you know did did my family member die of actual natural causes, or was she murdered? Yeah. It's really sad. Yeah, you don't get that closure. No, never. It's just that question mark was there. Exactly. Luckily, though, his killing spree was brought to an end by one of his deceased patient's daughter. There you mm -hmm. go. There she is. There you go. So, Kathleen Gurndy had been an active 81-year-old widow who suddenly passed and was found dead on the 24th of June, 1998. Kathleen's daughter had immediately known something was wrong when Kathleen's will left everything to Fred Shipman and nothing for the children or, um, like, the grandchildren, the family. That makes no sense. Exactly. Now, what made this a bit worse is Kathleen's daughter was a lawyer. She had handled all her mom's estates, everything like that, basically ever since she could. Yeah. So it didn't make sense. Something yeah. was wrong. <clears throat> so her daughter's name is Angela. She was obviously convinced that this will had been forged, naturally. Yeah. And took all of her findings to the police. Kathleen's body, which had already been buried and not cremated, luckily, mm. was exhumed. And immediately investigations began with more. She had died of a morphine overdose, and they could determine that it was administered at three hours before her death, which, unfortunately for Shipman, fit perfectly with the time that the doctor was in. Ah. Shipman's house naturally was immediately raided, and this yielded countless medical records a really strange collection of jewelry, which no one really ever explains. It's just always mentioned that he had this weird collection of jewelry. So I do think it was jewelry taken from victims. 
Aren't but, doctors supposed to make bank? Like, why is he? Because he's a... Look. He was a GP. Okay. So, in terms of doctor hierarchy, mm. if you will, or moneyarchy, I'm going to stick with that, <laughs> specialists tend to do, like, to make quite a bit more than GPs. Okay, fair enough. That makes sense. But at the end of the day, he sh still should be making cash. Yeah. Now, to top this off, they found an old typewriter. And guess what? What? They linked it. It was the exact same typewriter that wrote the will. This guy, it doesn't seem like this guy thought this through very much. No, for a doctor, he's really not that clever. Yeah, like... So, as this is kind of going on, the police start to realize that this isn't a single murder. Kathleen Grundy had not been the first. But she would be the last. Thank God. Police were able to establish that Shipman would murder his patients, then alter their medical records to show that they had been on a gradual decline to match his story. What he failed to realize, though, again, coming in on the not smart bit, is that computers timestamp everything. Yeah. So when you go into records to change things post-mortem, it appears on a timestamp. Yeah, and you're like, mm, okay, wait, something's wrong here. Shipman was arrested on September 7th, hey. <laughs> 1998. And eventually he was charged with 15 accounts of murder and one account of forgery. They only were able to nail him to 15. What? Yeah. Only 15. And 15 sounds like a lot, but if you think about the numbers... The sheer... It's 215. The sheer amount of murder this man did. Mm-hmm. Now, he was charged with 15 life sentences, and he got four years for forgery. Which okay. is just a little extra bitch slap on top. Yeah. My opinion. Fred hung himself from one of the window bars in his cell on the 13th of January, 2004. That's six years after. Yeah. Jail. And with him, unfortunately, went the hopes of the victims. They would never learn why he did what he did, nor who else had been a victim. He constantly stuck with the story that he did nothing wrong. He never admitted anything. He never told anyone anything. So realistically, we will never know how how many people he murdered. It's unfortunately now just lost the time. And also to top it off, his wife knew nothing. Absolutely fuck it. Sorry can for my you, language. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being the wife in that situation and just randomly finding out? Because the thing is, in our previous cases and stuff, the wife or the girlfriend or the whoever. Someone knew. They, they knew something. Or had like an inkling. They, they were either involved or they had an inkling or like something was off. She must have been absolutely just slapped sideways by the fact that her husband had killed over 200 people. She defended him. She said there was no way he could have done it. She defended him until he died. Actually, I'm pretty sure she... I don't, look, I, I haven't done much research on where she is now, where yeah. Primrose is now. Um, but she never doubted him. That's insane. Bad. So, my question is, why? Ooh, that's it. Because, realistically, with this case, when I was doing the research, due to the fact that he was a doctor and because of the times that it was happening, it is so difficult to tell how many people were murdered and also how he did it, necessarily. Yeah. Like, they were only able to charge him for 15, and these are people who hadn't been cremated first of all yeah 
and also secondly had been I don't want to say fresh say fresh rather fresh like their, their bodies were able to be exhumed and they were able to test for morphine in the, the blood yeah so what what kind of drives someone to do this because realistically when you can't talk a lot of facts we like to talk psychology in this yeah situation and i'm so curious why he would do this because there's a lot of theories floating around on the internet as always as always some people think it's kind of a sick retribution for his mom because she kind of didn't get a chance to life so he wanted to control um, others lives and this kind of does tie in because his modus operandi, or M.O., was eerily similar to how his mom passed. Yeah. You know, he had seen it when he was growing up. He'd seen that, you know, the the morphine helped her pain, and eventually it was what ended her life. Yeah. So that is a possibility. The second one is, did he just simply enjoy killing people? Was it just something he wanted to do? Was it a god complex sort of thing? Did he like having that control to change someone's life so drastically or simply just snub them out? I have a hot take. Oh, let's hear. <laughs> okay, so just to confirm. So sorry, there's a bug in my wine. Lovely. We can leave that in. Not the wine, but we can leave that in the recording. We can leave that in too. Yeah. Fantastic. You got it. Hot take. Yeah, let's go. Okay. Hot take! Hot take! Okay. Just to just to be clear, okay. Obviously, his mom died overall from the lung cancer, but the morphine is it effectively killed her. Yes. Okay. So maybe he was doing some type of experimentation on people to see if he could um uh what's the word I'm looking for like hire their tolerance for morphine so that that couldn't happen again. Hmm. You hear what I'm getting at? I mean, that was definitely a possibility. That was the first thing that I thought, maybe. Because so much of this is so out, like, by the wayside of what we usually know. Because mm. what we usually know is bad childhood. When they when they get convicted, they brag about their kills. Yeah. When, you know, and, and they say exactly why it happened. Or, like, why they were killing or raping or doing whatever the fuck we're talking about at that stage. Okay, question your hot take though. Do you yes. not think he would then defend himself? Do you not think then he would state that that was what he was probably trying to do? I think he'd get fucked over either way. Because, like, if you're doing... Because at the end of the day, you did kill a, lot, a ton of people. You did it under wraps of the law. And I, as far as I understand, there are a ton of rules and laws and shit in place when it comes to medical practicing that he would have been, like in jail for the rest of his life anyway definitely so i think because because maybe he was more misled than evil hmm. and he didn't want to defend himself because he just didn't see the point and he fundamentally understood that he did something absolutely disgusting i mean that's a definite possibility i'll give you that like yeah. i've I personally believe it was a god complex kind of thing, mm. because, I don't know, there's there's just something about, in my opinion, being a doctor, that you literally hold the power. And yes, it's a psycho thing to say, don't look at me like that, but 
it is you you literally hold the power and the knowledge to help that person you're right the reason i was looking at you like that <laughs> is because i had a thought because whenever i've had surgery like i literally just thought back to my last surgery and i was like wow someone literally stuck a knife in me yeah. and i let them do it and yeah and you trusted them because you knew they, they know what they're doing they stuck a knife in my body and took a an organ out it's and i was like yeah, it's fine it's a, good we're I, fine i trust you yeah. so that's what i'm saying like i don't know i feel like if the wrong kind of person becomes a doctor it might be easy to get a god complex oh yeah because it's literally you're holding someone's life quite literally in your hands, in hands not a lot yes. of people get to feel that ever no they get to feel that on an everyday basis yeah i I think I could understand how easily someone could kind of tip and be like, I just want to see what happens. Or I just want to feel what it feels like. Yeah. And then, I mean, proceed to become one of the most prolific serial killers in history. Especially, especially since um, if we go back to the theory that he was trying to like get some kind of redemption for his mom. Because, mm. I mean, if he was looking after her, he was the favorite. He, you know, they obviously had a very close relationship. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that can mess someone up. Definitely. Look, and something else, and this is a bit of a warped, not warped, this is a bit of like a side theory that I've had when I was doing this research. And from what I could understand, he was a GP to quite a couple of older women. Okay. And a lot of people theorize that a lot of his victims were older women specifically. And what that kind of sent me on is, I almost want to say a, what is the word here? A doing it, a like a doing it out of kindness. Okay. Kind of theory. Oh my word. Where I feel like someone like this, again, who's obviously not right in the head, could kind of see, well, you're getting old, I can see that you're in pain, what if we just let you pass yeah well because if you think about it a morphine overdose quite frankly sounds like a wonderful way to die <laughs> it's it's very uh, it's described as very almost calming yeah. in a weird way specifically if you get the dosages right which he would know yeah so i don't know that, i feel like that could also kind of be a theory that killing with kindness almost literally in the most literal way that you can take it i don't know i, just, I feel I'm just, I, I struggle to wrap my head around this because when you, I wanted to say sign in, but when you decide to become a doctor, a lot of the times your reasoning is I want to help people and then the money comes later. Yes, some people yes. will definitely do it for money first, that kind of thing. But most of the times you'll only put yourself through that if you genuinely want to make the world a better place and help people. Yeah, because at the end of the day, it is such hard work. You work such long hours. You have to study for an insane amount of years. And you put yourself through some shit. Yeah. You know, like watching patients die and stuff is relatively traumatic for normal people. We don't know about Fred Shipman. Maybe he got off on it. We don't know. But I just don't understand how someone whose literal life is dedicated or meant to be dedicated to saving others would decide to turn the other way? I really, I honestly, personally really like your killing of kindness theory. It's just weird. 
it is very strange. It's, but I mean, that's why I'm doing hot takes, like experimenting on people under the table. Maybe literally. I mean, it, th th that also kind of fits into the God Pompex thing, though. Yes. Because, you know. Maybe it was a combination of all of these theories. Yeah, like maybe, maybe it started out as one thing and ended on another thing, actually. We d that's the thing is, that's what's unfortunate, because we will never know. We will never know. There's no one who's ever going to answer this for us. But that's the thing. Well, the one thing we do know is that something was wrong with this man's head. Because at the end of the day, he knew that he was killing people. Yeah, look, because this, this he was is not accidental. Because, oh, wait, wait. A very big bug in our theory is the fact that he rewrote that woman's wall. Oh, yeah, that is a map. But, mm, okay, wait, let's hot take this again. Yeah. I can't, I don't actually, I can't. I mean, the only reason that I would think is that maybe, maybe he knew that he was going to get found out because the Undertaker approached him. And maybe, maybe he knew that he had to flee. Maybe. That would be my reasoning to get a bunch of money and just, like, leave the UK. That is a very logical reasoning. I have psycho reasoning. So, I mean, maybe, maybe it was a situation we were killing with kindness up until then, and then he was like, shit, they're onto me, and they know, and it's bad, and I've been killing people, we need to leave. I have a psycho theory. Okay. <laughs> I love psycho theories. <laughs> maybe. Okay. He was trying to... I need to word this so that I don't sound psychotic. Maybe he was trying to restage his mother's, his own mother's death in the way that he would have preferred it and at the age he would have preferred it over and over and over again. Oh my god. <laughs> that, no, but that actually makes sense though. Because if you think, okay, so if we break down trauma to a word for word on paper, yeah. easy to understand. Yeah. How often do you see people who've experienced a trauma go back to that same trauma? So many times. Like, I mean, super small basic analysis, abusive relationships, mm -hmm. very traumatic. Oftentimes, more than not, that victim will end up in another abusive relationship. Yeah. Holy shit. Or go back to the same one. That is a wow. Because the thing is, that could be that could be trying to control his response to a very traumatic situation. Yeah, that's a good one. Thank you. That's a very good one. Damn. Damn. <laughs> I mean, that would be wild. But that is the most psychotic thing I've ever heard, but it makes sense. <laughs> it's completely possible. And also, complete side note, I yes. feel like if we weren't slightly psychotic, we wouldn't enjoy true crime. Actually, that's a really good point. Mm. That's a really good point. Because realistically, we do research on the most psychotic crimes that have gone down in history, and it slightly excites us. Oh yeah, no, I have so much fun. <laughs> so, I don't know if that's a problem with them or us. Maybe, no, it's more them. Mm. It's definitely more them. We just get enjoyment. Yeah, mm, we're like okay. we're like the acceptable level of psycho. Okay, you know sure. we have that. You do have that actually. I can back that. Yeah, I mean that's all I kind of want to say about Frederick, or what is it, Harold? That's all I want to say. No, what the fucking Christ? Not like Harold, Harold, Fred, Shipman. What? That's all I really want to say about Harold, Frederick, Shipman, or Fred for short. Oof, because he's got a lot of names. Let's be honest. 
We just don't know. We'll never know. We'll and never I hate know. it. I hate it that we'll never know because these are the worst kind of situations for me. I know, but it's also the best kind of situations in a way because then we can speculate. And we speculating is always just such a good time, especially when you hit the nail on the head. Mm. But we won't find out the nail this time. No, unfortunately. Theory though, do you think his wife actually knew? I don't think so. I think, I think, um, I think... It's, I think, I think, <laughs> I think usually when the wife or the girlfriend does know, you can tell in whatever they're doing, what they're saying, and there's usually some kind of hint in media, because that is something that media would look for, it's like, did she know? Okay, so if, oh, I want to build on your psycho theory. Yes. If he was psycho theorying, okay. Yeah. And he somehow manipulated his wife into psychotherying with him. She would still think that he's innocent. Oh my god, that's so true. Yeah. Oh, ooh. Ooh. Well, maybe she did then. I don't know. I just feel like... I don't want to say how can you not know, because there are a lot of cases of just simply being blindsided by something like that, but... The thing is, I think it was easier for him to hide it from her specifically because this was specifically to do with his work. Yes, and actually. And it's very easy to hide things at work from your partner. Mm. And that's why I, my immediate thought was, no, she doesn't know. Because, you know, he comes home and she's like, hey, how was your day? And he was like, it was good or it was bad. And then they have dinner and go sleep, you know. You paint them so blandly. And I'm being very, <laughs> like, boxy here. No, I feel what I mean. <laughs> Get what you mean though. No, that actually does make sense. Yeah. That was that's why that was my immediate thoughts. Look, it's definitely a weird one. It it fascinated me and also just left so many questions when I was reading up about it. Because I did so much research. I dived down everything. I dived into the court cases, I dived into the media that happened around that time, and all of it is speculation. Oh. Because even the judge on the final, on the day that he charged Shipman, mm. you know, the judge said that he was charging him for 15 murders and obviously the counts of forgery, but he says that he knows while looking into that man's eyes that he's definitely done more and he hates that they can't prove it. That is wild. Actually, you know what? We talk about like a lot of the, a lot of the people in these situations. I think it must be awful at times to be a judge in these types of situations definitely because you have to abide by the law and you know even if you know that they're the worst person in the world you have to go by it lawfully yeah you know you have to go off of evidence i mean simple example this the casey anthony case yes oh my the God, judge yes. was convinced and he was very about the fact that he was convinced that she killed her daughter. Yeah. But realistically, they couldn't prove it, so he had to let her go. He didn't, couldn't do anything. There was nothing it. that they could do. And that must, that must be horrific. I feel like if I was a judge, I would just have my own rule book. I'm going to pour it, oh. and it's going to be very loud in the microphone. Thank you. Yes. That's a difficult one. It is a difficult one. And it sucks. It makes me mad that we're never going to have this information. But it's also just a really interesting case, because... These kind of doctors of death, angels of death, are something that is so often talked about, and it's not the first time that this has happened. Mm -mm. This happens so much throughout history where 
doctors, nurses. I can't think of anything else but a doctor or a nurse, really. Surgeons. Um, doctor's very vague, like, all-encompassing, that's why. Yeah. Yeah. I get what you mean. But it's happened so much throughout history. Mm. Like, this is not a one-time thing. And yes, maybe his case is similar to some of the others. Like, the... I think it was... I think her name was the Angel... I think it was the Angel of Death, guys. Again, correct me if I'm wrong. I am probably wrong. But she had... Um, Oh, what is that word? Munchausen's. Yes. She had Munchausen's by proxy. Yeah. And essentially what that is, so Munchausen's is people who hurt themselves for attention, who consistently hurt themselves for attention. Munchausen's by, Munchausen's by proxy is hurting someone else so that you can be the savior and get attention. Yeah. So this... Super fucking. This nurse did that with children. She, I can't even remember how many ch uh, children she actually managed to kill, but she just dosed them with very high amounts of insulin and sugar. Mm. And they died. But most of the times she was actually able to save them. And then the parents would be like, oh my God, thank you so much for saving my baby. But she almost killed them. But she almost killed them. And she did it. She did kill quite a few children. Ugh, that is horrifying. So... It's difficult to say why they do that. Again, we can't get right into the brains of them. Yeah. And I don't think this situation is similar to the nurses that I've just described. I think this was a whole, a whole weird, complicated thing that Fred had going on. Oh, yeah. I think he would have been studied in psychology if anyone knew what was happening there. Oh, 100%. If we could tap, like, if he had survived a couple more years. Mm. The amount of knowledge we could have gained from him would have been amazing. Amazing. But maybe, I don't know. Because also, again, why did he kill himself? If he claimed to be innocent, which he, again, like I said, stuck with throughout his charges, his trial, and then his prison sentence. If you're not guilty, why'd you kill yourself? Could it be that he just couldn't handle prison life? Maybe or he couldn't handle prison life. Was he actually, did he feel guilty? Because he murdered old ladies. Listen, if you murder that many people, I start to doubt that you can feel guilt at all. I'm going to be honest. Especially mm. as a doctor. Like, come on. Mm. Um, so I don't think it was a guilt thing. I think it, it, it may have been something simple, like he didn't want to be in prison for the rest of his life, like he wanted to take back some kind of control. That does tie in nicely with the control thing. Yeah. Hmm. Well, there you have it. Yeah. That was horrible, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> you are most welcome. And I'm really curious to hear what you guys may think. Yeah, please let us know, because I'm, I mean, we've thrown out theories around whether they be slightly makes sense or completely psychotic. We've thrown our theories around quite a bit because like I said, there was not that much information realistically on this case for me to find. So it has been a lot of speculation this episode. So I'm genuinely curious on what you guys think. Was this a retribution for his mom? Was this that he just enjoyed killing? Was it a situation of he loved the control of it? Was he just a psycho that was trying to help people by murdering them? by accident or not 
What do you think? I'm genuinely curious. And also, side question. Did the wife know? Yes or no? Of course, we always have to ask if the wife knew if we don't know for sure. No, because I feel like we've asked this question a lot, but I'm genuinely always curious if the wife knows. <laughs> 100%. Okay, well, that's going to be us for now. We will see you in two weeks again. Yes. And this time Emily's hosting, so get ready. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Okay, bye. bye.